thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And we're in the car. We're on a road trip. So we decided that we would do a podcast for you because we do go on these road trips. You know we do. So we decided we'd do a podcast for you answering one of your emails that came through. And we just love it because it's all about us. I mean, stop it. (laughs) So this particular, e- this particular email asked us, how do we speak? You know, most people are terrified at the thought of standing up in front of a crowd, yet we get up in front of thousands of people and we do it day in, day out. So how do we do it? What are our hints and our tips and our tricks and our strategies and what's it really like? Because I can tell you right now, the day that I vomited on the audience in front of me, <laughs> there was nothing fabulous about that moment. Or the moment that I got up on stage with my fly undone. <laughs> So there are many, many stories to tell. Yes, yes, it is. And if a person, if when you when you are speaking and you are going to have a faux pas, it's well and truly in public. I mean, there is nothing very private. I sat on a gym ball once <laughs> telling a story to a group of real estate agents in a very short skirt and bounced myself straight <laughs> off the ball and showed everybody my... What you had for breakfast. My undergirkins. <laughs> So it's just hysterical. So everything you do is public, you know. It's really, you can run, but you definitely can't hide. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we do as speakers and how do we actually manage to do it. What are our little rituals? How do we handle our nerves? What made us decide to start speaking in the first place? I mean, of all the things we could do, we could be professional nose pickers and we go out and we decide to be speakers. Good heavens. Cindy, what started you speaking? You know, I've just been thinking as you've been talking because I think I started speaking as a result of me writing for the paper so I started writing for the Sunshine Coast Daily back in 1990 and 1991 and became a columnist celebrity per se you know in a very very small little area and so Lions Club would ask me and Rotary would ask me and um, those types of clubs would ask me and I'd do it for free I had nothing to sell I made no money uh, it was just what they asked me to do. So, that, you know, that's where I started. And then I wrote my book, and that's when it really I realised if I spoke, then I could sell more. And so that's what I started to do, is getting more and more speaking engagements. I never got paid for them. I just went out and spoke to Rotary and Lions, but now I had a product to sell. And, that, and that, that's how I started. I never went through speakers fast track, Karen. I never so you knew never anybody. came through my speaker training no. program? No, oh, yeah. back goodness. in 1990. Where were you at that point? You're well, probably still a teenager. In 1990, I just turned 20, love. Yeah. Whatever. So, <laughs> no, I didn't know of anybody who was doing the speaking circuit and teaching people people how to speak. I'm sure they're out there. But my thing was, oh, well, I had a book, I had a story, and... I wanted to get up and and tell it. But I have to tell you, every time I got up, I was so nervous and so scared. And every time I would think, what am I doing? Why am I putting myself through this? Why am I punishing myself? What is it that, you know makes me want to do this and but I did I, it was almost like a, a drug because once you're up there 
it, it, and you've calmed down and you've relaxed. It's actually, it is quite, it's exhilarating. Yes. I remember speaking um, with Lisa Curry once and thinking, you know, that she was a professional and, you know, she was an Olympian and she was this and she was that. And, and I remember thinking, I'm speaking in, on the same stage as Lisa Curry and I, I was an absolute mess. I, I was so nervous. I had diarrhea. I wanted to vomit, but I didn't quite. And, you know, you, you become intimidated when you're around people like that, and it becomes quite scary. Mm. And why? how did you get through it? I remember being dry mouthed. Completely dry mouth. Cotton ball mouth. Yeah, cotton ball mouth. Uh-huh. Oh, I was terrible. And I, and Have I you seen that movie? Cotton no, mouth. Cotton no, mouth. I haven't. It's me, myself, and Irene. Yeah, it? and it's a Jim Carrey. Yeah, moment. yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, and I just, I, you got through it. You just did it, and then I went off and did another one. I, I don't know what it was, and, and another one that I remember. Since I've got the stage right now, I'm going to. Go you, go you. But another one I remember. I was speaking, um, and this was probably around 1998. And I was speaking to a group in Caloundra called the Happy Slimmers. And the Happy Slimmers um, were a group of people that followed the Weight Watchers, and, but they called themselves Happy Slimmers. And they asked me to come and speak, and I went, yay, you know. There was probably 150 people in the room, probably wow. one of the biggest rooms I've ever done. And I said something about a McDonald's hamburger, how when you, you know, put it um, on top of your, of your fridge, that it never goes off. It just sits there and I heard someone yell out oh what about the lettuce and I said no no no." even the lettuce just kind of wilts and then another one said oh the buns would go off and I just kept getting heckled and I I had one man and I kept speaking but you know what your your heart is in your throat you are you're, you're it's beating like there's no tomorrow you're scared you're wondering how you're going to survive this. And I just remember this one guy throwing his books down. And he, he just threw his books down and all his stuff. And he says, I've heard enough. Oh, God. And he walked out and then people just started walking out. And I ended very quickly. Got off the stage. The person came up and thanked me. I'm barely able to suppress my tears. Yeah. I am... I'm so upset, so upset. I can hardly suppress my tears. And I vowed I would never speak again after that day. Mm. That was it for me. I would I would never speak again. And, but a magical thing happened. And um, I don't know if you want to hear this story. Yeah. You want to hear this yeah, story? Yeah, so long so, as you stop at the red light. Okay, I'll stop at the red light just for you. Thanks, love. <laughs> so what happened, what happened was... Uh, I was in the grocery store and I was really upset and I ran into Lisa Curry's private um, PA and I told her the story and she said, oh, Cindy, that was just being awful. I said, it really was. She told Lisa. Lisa then told um, this amazing speaker that was about to do a five-day speaking engagement with ten other amazing speakers. It was $5,000 to go. So $5,000 I had to pay to go to it. She told him and he said to her, give her a ticket to go and ask her partner if he wants to come as well. Wow. Wow. And so I went to this. You know, isn't it weird the Mm. way things happen? So I actually went um, to this conference for five days. Howard came with me. 
And we listened to the head of McDonald's, who was an amazing speaker. I know, it sounds funny. Lisa and Grant um, spoke. Um, the he- um, who's the girl who had the first heart transplant? Um, oh. Uh... She spoke, like, this is years ago, so I can't remember. She spoke. Her husband, whose name was Elliot, and he was a big wig, spoke. Um, a guy that got ended up put in jail because of embezzlement, he spoke. Another, you know, look, these amazing people smoke. One of the wealthiest people in Australia spoke, I, and I can't remember his name because he got put in jail too. Nice, great. Nice. But you know what? I just went, I, I can do this. That was just a setback, and my gosh, just by that happened to me, I actually made $10,000. Did you, you know, it was like, wow. I actually made $10,000 because I would have had to pay $10,000 to go to something like this. <sighs> so you never know whether it's good or it's bad. Mm. It just is. Mm. And I, I made that decision. It lasted half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you'd never speak again. Yeah, that I'd never speak again. And mm. thank goodness I, I didn't... Mm didn't do that you know because I love speaking I but still I think, get nervous so and I think for many people if you have one bad experience they think that's it out of here done mm. which I can understand because often it's humiliating I mean I, I decided at, in year what's it equivalent here form 2 I was 12 what's that it's year eight. Year, year eight. eight. Year eight. So in year eight, we had to do speech finals, and I wrote the most boring speech ever on advertising, so I could get on, get off, and get out of there. <laughs> I got onto the speech finals with it. So there I was on stage in front of the whole assembly with the judge down the back, and I started and got up on stage, and my mouth went completely dry, my throat and my whole chest went bright red with a rash, and there was a big velvet red curtain behind me. And I started off my speech. I still remember the start of it. Advertising is known all over the world. That's how it started. And in my head, I had this little meta voice go, you're doing really well. You haven't even looked at your notes yet. My little cue cards. And in that moment, I forgot. And then I looked down and I hadn't moved my cue cards. And now I couldn't find my place. So there was this horrible pause. And then everybody in the audience thought it was meant to be a pause until, you know, you get that awkward pause. And then everyone was like, and then the lady down the back, and then you could hear everybody going, oh, my gosh, she's forgotten where she's at. She's forgotten what she's doing. And then the judge down the back goes, don't worry, sweetheart. It happens to the best of us. Just find your place and start again. Meanwhile, my hand is behind me trying to find the gap in the curtain to run. I so wanted to run off that stage. I got off that stage and decided I would never, ever speak again. And then two years later, I was captain of the of the netball team and had to start thanking other teams and that's nice thank you for sharing um and I had to tell everybody you know after every game and so that started me small again does that make sense where you actually are doing little things and it's natural for you to speak in front of your netball mates but some people I know struggle even to do that so I think what for me the constant thing was stepping outside the comfort zone and actually really trying to remind myself of how awkward and hard this is but just do it because in fact people don't know you're scared unless you tell them you know what I mean like no one actually sees no one sees your nerves except you unless you start losing it up there on stage so yeah what what happened to you your first experience with Simu it was interesting actually just listening to you girls because it takes me right right back and I remember when I was younger I used to go and watch um, my mum used to take me to the conservatorium of music if ever I wanted to take a day off school she used to get terribly excited because she'd have somebody to play with so we'd go and have some lobster for lunch and then we'd go to um, the 
Conservatorium in Sydney. And I remember looking at these musicians in front of the whole audience, watching them being completely transfixed by the experience of playing their instruments. And they would almost disappear out of the room because they were just totally into the moment of playing their instruments. And I remember always thinking to myself, one day I want to be that into something. I want to be that taken away by something. And then as I got older and I got into business, my dad was actually always into sales training and he always had his own business as a sales trainer. And then my sister followed in his footsteps in sales, but she didn't do so much of the speaking side of things or the training side of things. And then my brother followed in her footsteps a bit and got into sales and his own business. And then there I was going and watching all of these speakers thinking, I wish I could do that. You know, I wish I could do what they're doing. I wish I could do that. And then I saw Anthony Robbins and I thought, I can do what he's doing. I may not have such a think big. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. He said think big, so I went right here. And I thought, I don't have hands like shovels. <laughs> and I am five foot two and you are six foot thirty. <laughs> but I can do it, you know. And I thought, if, I, if, if you can do it, I can do it. And I remember coming home telling my sister, and my sister's my greatest advocate and biggest fan and mentor. And she said to me, you know what? She said, if Tony Robbins can do it, he goes to the toilet. <laughs> and so do you. So anybody who goes to the toilet means they can speak <laughs> so true and you know that was exactly the, that was the logic of it and so I had this desire to do it and then I climbed my way up the corporate ladder and always had really big teams so I made myself put presentations together for my teams and I spoke in front of all of my teams and I always gave myself really challenging content to put together so that they would challenge me and so that they would question me. So I always came up with my own material that wasn't in any of the textbooks or wasn't in any of the sales training books or any of that. I always tried to make my own stuff up so that then they would challenge me because I thought, well, if I can cope with my own team challenging me, then I can cope with anything. So I always look for opportunities to be in the deepest, darkest pits of hell when it comes to speaking. Yeah, I did. I actually went in search of it. And then after Bali and Greg, um, I actually had no inclination of becoming a speaker. I only ever thought that I'd just do my job as general manager and I'd have staff that I'd do staff meetings with. It never occurred to me that I would speak to make a living. So after Bali and it was after the depression and all that subsided and I decided that I would start to speak, it was a real surprise. I, I never considered that an option. So I okay I'll video myself and see what I look like and I looked like hell <laughs> I sounded like hell I was embarrassed about myself but hell why not get out there throw yourself into the pits of hell and see how you go which is what I did and I had such a tragic story I would jump up on the stage and sob my little eyes out and of course the whole audience would be sobbing with me and then I'd get off the stage and say thanks very much this has been wonderful but of course it hadn't it had been absolutely a nightmare for everybody <laughs> After about eight or nine attempts with this one particular women's network, the lady came to me and she said, Karen Dahl, she said, you're not very good at this at all. <laughs> she said, I think you need to think about doing something else. And oh my God, 
I mean, I knew I was crap, but when somebody else says you're crap, it's kind of really hurtful. <laughs> so I did. I gave it away for about 12 months, and I remember hating it. I just, I absolutely hated it. And I thought, who in their right mind puts themselves through such an emotional roller coaster and puts their head on the chopping block of the ultimate humiliation and the ultimate sense of you know, of lack of self exposure too. Yeah, it's totally, totally exposed. exposed. Totally exposed. But the desire didn't go anywhere. So the desire inside of me just continued to grow, and it didn't go anywhere. I just kept having this desire. I've got to do it. I just have to do it. I can't not do it. I must, 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 must do it. So then I went and spent about eighty thousand dollars on myself and travelled around Australia and also in the states, learning how to do it from other people. Some were good, some were not. Probably wasted about forty thousand of that eighty. Well, it's probably not a waste because you learn how not to do it. Well, that's a very good point. Mm. But then I came home and bounced off a fitness ball and showed everybody my undies as a result of what I had learned. How about them apples? Do you know what I'm saying? Really? Who does that? I wish we'd known who the... My story story was I had all these different sized balls on on the stage with me because I was talking about how the more we focus on our problems, the bigger they become because we just swim around in them. So it starts off with a ping-pong ball and then it goes to a tennis ball. And we and know what, to... what women do with ping-pong balls. We do. Uh-huh. Well, we know what you do. No, then. not me, darling. Thailand, Pat Pong Road. Mm. Oh, were we even talking about that? I'm oh, talking about problems in real estate. Sorry, sorry. I got sidetracked. <laughs> As you always do. Tart. I just, I can't. I'm just silently laughing over here. You here. just can't help because yourself. Because you know what? As soon as you said ping-pong ball, I said... Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> won't take much. It, won't, it doesn't take her long, and it doesn't take much for her to just turn that little mind around. Oh, it's not turned around. That well, was just actually, a trigger. Well, it's a trigger. Sorry, the trigger. way that I landed with legs in the air. I, that's what took me there. When yeah. you said you showed a growler, I'm just, I mean, you're, sorry, you're, whatever. Oh, my goodness no, gracious. I said I showed my undies. <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking. You're just dreadful, Kim Morrison. Ah, oh, look, people, look. Okay, You're snorting, Kim Morrison. Everybody who's listening, may I apologise in advance for her tardy, or should I say tarty, behaviour. I can't just speak to you. Right. Go from the ping pong ball. Did she go from the ping pong Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway. What's really funny is that we were on stage um, just this afternoon, just this afternoon yeah. and there was a forum at the end, oh, which was quite funny, and we were being asked serious questions. And um, each of the questions were being answered, and then Kim gets the microphone, and she starts this story, and I whisper to Karen, oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. And within minutes... <laughs> The, the tart shows her real colours. <laughs> and her answer to this very serious question. <laughs> to 150 women and Easy. a couple of men. <laughs> Give your husband a quickie. Oh, seriously? <laughs> that was the answer to her question. Okay. It was. I don't even know what the answer I was. I don't even know what the question actually was. The question was. is, what are your rituals and what are your non-negotiables? Non-negotiables. <laughs> and so she comes out and says, give him a quickie. That's her non-negotiables. Yeah, because and then you ritual. get what you want. It's not rocket science. Oh, it was such a serious question. We had to lighten the load. Anyway. Right. Let's get back to ping the ping-pong ball. ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really feel like the ping-pong ball's kind of lost its... Um, <laughs> 
did you go? Is What's the flavour? I want to find out. I want to know what you did with the ping pong ball. Well, I was ball. talking about how the more we focus on our problems, the bigger they get. So I said, we started with a ping pong ball, then we go to a tennis ball because we keep focusing on the problem. Then we go to a football, and then we land up on a gym ball. And of course, I'm sitting on the gym ball, the big gym ball, and I'm bouncing on it as I'm telling the story, throwing different sized balls out into the audience. And and I'm bouncing up and down as I'm throwing it and the next minute I bounce myself straight off the damn ball onto the stage and I'm wearing a skirt and all I can see I've got my head and my back on the stage and my legs are in the air and I can see my own undies I just would have died watching that and do you know all of them and the most hilarious part that night they'd all gone out and I didn't know from the organisers but the night before I was on stage, they'd all gone out. Half of them had only just got in at 9am, so they were all still smashed. Absolutely blind, rotten, drunk. And I was on stage for two and a half hours, and I still had an hour and a half to go after I'd shown them my undies. I mean, oh, I want to ask you a question. Oh, give me strength. Have you ever used the ball analogy since? No, never. <laughs> No. <laughs> See, you learnt something from it. Yes. And people think it's effortless up there. You have no idea what it's taken for us to get there. And it was a G-string, can I just say? Oh, my oh, fat no. Harriet. Yes, love. Yes. It's so you a did G show them your grill up. <laughs> do you know, do you know what amazes me um, when you're on the stage? And I don't know if you guys get this as well, but you can be... You can be speaking away and saying and doing what you need to say, and you're thinking about something else, and you're looking at people in the audience, and you're wondering why they're picking their nose, or they're not looking at you, or they're looking down at their phone. And I, I, I find it amazing that we can do that. And other things that I, I've done on the stage where I've I've made up a story that works so beautifully with the with whatever the context of, or content of and my, you make it up on the spur, and of the I moment. make it on the spur of the moment, mm. and I go. And it's usually a true story that I, I have this thought about and I then tell the story. And sometimes it is hilarious, Karen. Uh, well, you really? are. You are hilarious. Yes, it was. Like, You're not the... as hilarious as me. But no, I agree. I don't think anyone I say, is. I say keep working, girls. Yeah. I don't give up. I, I do. Right I, with you. I find it fascinating. And then I use that story for the next couple of years because I think, where did that come from? Did someone send that to me? How did I figure that one out? What did I do to, to remember but that? But I reckon the brain is a whole filing system of stories, experiences and perceptions of what's going on in your world. Yeah. And depending on where you are at a certain moment, something will trigger that story, that feeling, that emotion. And it feels perfect to tell it. Now, some of us, though, have what's called foot and mouth disease, and often the thought happens after the words. <laughs> is, that, is that a faux pas? A closed no, mouth. That, that, that's a kin pas. That's a kin pas. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's a tongue pas. <laughs> a part of tongue? Anyway. <laughs> But my girlfriend Flew always said to me, Kim, a closed mouth gathers no feet. <laughs> so I often have to apologise to my audiences before I start because I don't know sometimes what's going to come out because there's so many stories in there that I'm not sure which one is the best one to bring out and sometimes it happens well before I've thought about it. Yeah, well, that's rather unfortunate. How does that work out for you, love? Well, often people think I'm the funniest. I doubt it. <laughs> I love you, I love you. But what I want to ask you, Karen, if you said that, you know, because some people that are listening to this have got their own business and 
they really do want to step up. And in fact, the, the beautiful woman that emailed us said that she's got a business and she just doesn't know how to do it. Mm. In all your experiences of what you learned spending all that money to become a speaker, what did you then take a hold of to then, what are the key things that you use when you're teaching people to speak? I mean, what is it? How do you teach people to speak? Well, first things first, grab a ticket to speakers fast track. Exactly. Um, that's definitely the first things first because, you know, it doesn't matter what we say on the podcast. There's a lot, there's multiple levels and layers in, in, in anybody's business, but then also in the personality as well. So for some people, they're not necessarily predisposed to being extroverted personalities. And some people are extroverted personalities. But what I want to say about that is it takes all kinds to make the world go around. And your audience is different personalities also. So a lot of people who are nervous of speaking in public or don't want to speak in public think that no one will want to hear them because they're too shy or they're too quiet or they don't know what they're saying. And, you know, speaking... We've been doing it since we were two. So we've pretty much got the whole speaking thing nailed. It's just that when we put public in front of it, everybody goes to water. Taryn, I actually think you've been speaking since you were one. Probably. <laughs> Look, I think, actually, I think I came out speaking. Yeah, I'm sure you did. I don't think she waited to two, do No, you? I don't think so. No. In fact, my dad would concur. Yeah. <laughs> she was talking from the womb. Yeah. The speaker's womb. That's yeah. it. They could hear me. But I think it's important to understand that it takes all kinds to make the world go around and it takes all kinds to be amazing speakers. So not just people who are extroverted do a, good, do a great job. Do you know, it's funny you should say that because I think what's important is that you're integral on stage, totally. that your own personality comes through. Because remember the first time we heard Dr. Brian Weiss speak? Oh. Now, after hearing this hyped up, um, oh. who was that beautiful speaker that spoke at the, the I seminar down there and she had the bright dress on yeah, and she came yeah, out like a poodle Christine. and um, anyway she was very playful oh, a hay house yeah. author yeah. she's very playful and she came Cheryl, out dressed Cheryl, playfully Cheryl Richards no, no it wasn't Cheryl Richards I'd never actually heard of no. her before and she was very playful very, very colourful and very and she was cute. really high energy yeah, and it suited her She and she even said I feel like a poodle and she actually in that moment looked like a poodle on stage <laughs> but she was that was her then we had beautiful Dr. Wayne Dyer speak, who's just got that beautiful, oh, melodious, melodious oh, yeah. voice that just makes you just, you just melt into his words. And then, of course, we had the gorgeous Carolyn Miss speak, oh, who wow. is a sci- has a science sort of a mind, and she just, but she delivered with a bit of humour, but a lot of science in there. And, and then on came Dr. Brian Weiss, and he came out. And he stood there, and in this monotone, he goes, well, it's it's a pleasure to be here today, and I just want you to know that over the next hour or so, we're going to do some regression work, and and I just want you to know that this is me excited. This is me excited. (laughs) And the minute he said that, he gave himself permission to be him. Does that make sense? And none of us expected him to be anything other than that one monotone voice and all of a sudden it just felt perfect to listen and him being a therapist and a hypnotherapist it just it was perfect his voice oh and it was and you know I was mesmerized by him absolutely mesmerized he just um he he, yeah I, I really enjoyed listening to him and I enjoyed listening to Anthony Roberts so it's horses for courses it depends what they're teaching um 
and Wayne Dyer, you know, he has a very, very calm voice as well. And you don't hear him excited very, very often, do you? In that no. Don't you love the fact that these guys are hearing how far we're going? <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to turn it on mute. We're going to have to drive with us. We've got Sat Nav running right now, so it's, it, you will hear her voice in the background saying, turn left in 200 metres. Yes, you'll just have to be with us. <laughs> I've lost my screen. I've got, I've, got here? I've got it back. No, it's not here. Look at my left screen. Next oh, left. Yep. Next left. <laughs> next left. Oh, it's left at McDonald's. Oh, and then right at the KFC. And then oh, wow. right oh my gosh. at the Burger King. Look at this. Oh my gosh. We are in and a country Eagle Boys. Town. Eagle Boys. There we go. Eagle Boys. We're in a country town. One street. No, next, 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 next. Oh, this next one, one. Sorry. And, well, go past the KFC and turn left at McDonald's. Is that what it was? Oh Don't gosh. you love the way people do that? They go... You know, yeah, they're, they're like the land, that's the, the, benchmark, landmark, the landmark. Their, benchmark. their landmarks are always takeaway. Well, it just shows you how clever real estate Take the people yeah, are that yeah, use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, she's, so she's so annoying. Um, but we love her because um, we will get home. Because we are in the middle of nowhere. There's Domino's. Oh, oh there's Domino's. Domino's. Food works. Hello. Hello, Dolby. Um, <laughs> anyway, so what I wanted to ask you, Karen, though, is... When you said you had some Railway teachers that here. didn't teach very well, yeah, how, wh- what did they do that wasn't well? Like, what oh, do you mean? Less than little socks. Well, I had one woman, um, and she was teaching people to speak, and she was in the states, and it was amazing because she sat down on a chair the whole time with her lectern in front of her for two and a half days oh, and wow. read read notes. <gasps> Wow. For the two and a half days. Another woman was just hysterically funny. Really, you know, she's obviously been around the block a lot. Um, this woman was particularly um, drunk and drunk, drunk for the entire seminar. Oh, my gosh. And she stood holding the lectern the entire time because she couldn't stand up straight. She was swaying. And every time she came over... To check on the work that she'd asked us to do, and she'd breathe on me. Right. I thought to myself, meters. "My goodness gracious, you—you're smashed. You're That's absolutely terrible. smashed." That's the fumes of the alcohol was horrendous. Um, some of the others really didn't um, flick my switch because I'm all about credibility. Yes. And if somebody's not on the speaker circuit themselves, and they're out there teaching people to speak then I find that there's a real incongruence there. And I feel like... Turn right. I feel like if... Um, turn left. Oh, gosh. Oh, sorry. God lover. I'm you trying very hard to turn volume. her off. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> She's like us. She doesn't know how to <laughs> shut the hell up. <laughs> She's a good speaker. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. That's oh. all right. Anyway, so... Yes. Um... Yeah, I just, I found a lot of people that were teaching people to speak, which is what I wanted, either had never been speakers, or they'd never been successful speakers, or they weren't on the speaker circuit at the time. But of course, when you're new to speaking, you don't necessarily know what to look for. Right. Um, Of course. And so I invested a lot of money with people who were, um, one particular person was a copywriter, another person was a marketer. Um, somebody else had just been trained by another speaker trainer and it was just really you know 
there were those wasted dollars. What's your thoughts around things like Toastmasters and, oh, yeah, and yeah. doing the rotary trips and doing all of that? Like, is that how you think I, people would start? I think Toastmasters is really awesome. In fact, you know, one of the biggest things that I say to people is learn how to speak because it's actually a skill. It's like anything. If you want to go, if you decide at the age of 30 that you want to go and be a dentist, you've actually got, got to go and learn how to be a dentist. And if you decide at the age of 20 that you decide that you want to be a journalist, you've got to learn the skill of it. And speaking is no different. Just because we know how to string a sentence together doesn't mean we know how to engage an audience or keep an audience captivated or sell a product or create a really compelling content. Um, you know, that, that in itself is a skill. So I think learning how to do it and then once you know how to do it then yeah practice 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 and your first 30 you'll hate but after that it'll be a breeze it'll be joyful it'll be exciting it'll be exhilarating it'll you'll lose yourself in it it's the most wonderful gift you can give to yourself and the most wonderful gift that you can give to humanity is your own self-expression because other people see in you a possibility for themselves and that's really what I think speaking how speaking is you know the meaning of life really oh that's so beautiful yeah and I think that's what you see in a great speaker is I think you're absolutely right I think the other thing though when I've seen speakers that aren't so great do you agree that some people use the stage as a bit of therapy and and maybe aren't ready to speak for sure and I mean I think I did that myself in the beginning I think I used the participants as my counsellors. You know, I got to a problem a problem shared is a problem halved, and I think I, you know, really worked that. Um, but yeah, I do think that people do their therapy from the stage, and I really recommend that you don't do it. You know, my first thirty were terrible because of that reason, and you know, you can you can save yourself a lot of pain and heartache by actually doing the therapy if you've got a story that's you know, or if you've got a circumstance or a situation that is quite that requires a bit of therapy, I think definitely don't do it from stage. And I also think, and I'm just going to put this out there, I also think if you're speaking to manipulate people to make money, which is what I see a lot, I don't think you deserve to hold the stage. Mm. I don't think that you deserve to hold people's attention because I think people give you their attention and their time because you, they believe you have something to offer. And your marketing and your the way that you've presented yourself has obviously led them to believe that. And I think that we have to honour that and I think that we have to respect that. And if, if, if we put the effort into adding massive value to people, then I think that it, it's kind of like that whole uh, cycle of I give, you take, you take, I give, or I take, you give. It's that whole return of the energy that, you know, goes between the audience and the speaker it's that whole cycle of energy that's exchanged but I do see people who get up with the intention of manipulating the audience and I do see people who do that you know just for the money and I I'm ashamed because I think that that really um you know the big performances on stage and all of that sort of thing and I think that that sort of takes away from the magic of speaking particularly for people who want to speak because they don't want to have to be like that I remember this one particular speaker's agency said to me very in the very beginning, they said, Karen, if you can't get up and perform like a monkey on the stage, then speaking is not for you. So I decided not to speak. Yeah, I would think the same. I don't want to perform like a monkey. And that's, and that's what I thought. I, I, want, to, I want to impart a message, yeah. impart my knowledge, because what's the use of all this knowledge in here 
If you're the only one who if has I'm it. If I'm the only one who has it. I think it's, I think it's our duty mm. to, for, for people who do have the knowledge to impart it and give it to people. And, and that's why we do these podcasts is, mm. you know, we don't get anything out. We don't get paid for it. We don't, it's no. free. Yeah. There's hours and hours of it. We impart a it lot It is a of very knowledge. important part of our work yeah, when we tell our important. husbands we need to get together to podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very, mm. very important. Mm. And eat. And eat. Mm, yeah, we do do a lot of eating. But, uh, you know, I... Lucky we don't laugh. I, no, no, no. Do people learn that skill? Is there a, um, a school out there that teaches them that whole... Um, manipulation about it because yeah. I, I thank goodness I never knew about any of that stuff because I just got up the stage I told my story um, I remember I sold lots and lots of books mm. but I never sold the book I didn't know how to sell I didn't know how to sell from the stage as, as they call mm. it but if you are going to make speaking your profession and you have a product then you have to sell from the stage because otherwise you starve mm. so how do you sell, you know, there, there has to be, there has to be, um, integrity. Yeah. There has to be a balance because you have, if you, that's how you make money and you're doing free talks. But remember also, we've been told if you have a product and you do not tell your audience what you have, it's a disservice. It is a disservice. Now, everyone in the audience may not want it, they may not need it, or they may already have it. But if you don't tell them what you have got or haven't got, then how are they to know? I think that's quite an important thing, especially for someone like you, Cindy, that's got beautiful products and an amazing book. And if, if I didn't know I could get it, I'd walk out of there feeling, oh, I want to take a piece of her with me, you know. Or, and I think that's the beautiful thing about a lot of speakers is that they do have products so that you get to take a piece of them home mm. um, and get to continue that experience, particularly if you've enjoyed them and you trust them and you look up to them and you actually really believe them. I think that's a beautiful part to have. I think that's the contrast, though, and I think that that's what makes speaking worthwhile for the speaker, and it makes speaking worthwhile for the listener, because what you're doing is you're educating the audience, and then as a result of that education, you're offering them more education, as in a book or a product or something. You're you're actually using the platform as a vehicle to educate or inspire or, you know, along those lines, rather than what I heard one particular speaker say... um, using the platform to siphon every possible dollar out of the pockets of everyone in there. No. Yeah, and I'll, I'll never forget it. And, and it's, you know, it was a real wake-up for me. It's to bad say enough they do it, but to admit it? Are you serious? Oh, very open. Very, very open. Is that their intention is to draw out every dollar there. You know, and I think, well, I'm sure that there's a place in the world for every Well, everybody, obviously there is. Um, it's just not. It's not a way that I would recommend anyway. Yeah. I just don't think it's. I don't think it's congruent, and I don't think that it's in service. So yeah, so that's my thought, and I think Toastmasters is awesome. Use them for practice, but learn how to speak first. Learn how to construct a, a um, presentation, and then also learn how to uh, manage your nerves with little rituals. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Nah, yeah, <laughs> we all spoke at the wellness summit recently <laughs> and all three of us were nervous. We were all delivering new material, some new parts of our material. <laughs> Let's just face it, I was crap. Oh, get out of here. You so always I was the say most that. nervous out of all of you. Well, do you know what? Well, you so were delivering funny. absolutely new material, Karen, and you, you, you did 
you want to say what you said to me in the... I still deliver... I, you know, it's funny. I've, I've spoken for nearly 1,600 events now in five or six years. Because I do... I, well, I mean, I, I do hundreds a year. And I haven't been that crap for a long time. But I broke my own rules. What are your rules? I broke my own rules around preparation. Because I got cocky and I got complacent. Because I thought, I'm a really good speaker. I've researched this topic to be within an inch of my life, so I know it so well. And I hadn't put in the preparation around the practice. So when I got up on the platform, I lost my way with the slides. And I've never, I never use slides. I only ever use a flip chart. So even having slides through me. Yeah, we noticed that. Yeah, When I saw you up there with all the slides, I went... Never seen Karen use the slides. No, never. Whereas I'm someone who always uses slides. And I, I can go either way. Yeah, you go either way. But I like to use slides. I love, and they're usually photos. They're not um, yeah. writing. There is occasional writing on them, but it's usually pictures because I feel that um, me speaking is not getting the information as um, as succinctly as if there's a picture up there. Like a picture tells a thousand words. And I guess that's why I like to use pictures. And because I'm talking about food packaging and advertising and heart foundations um, and their crazy ticks and, and because I, I, I ask so many questions, I feel that that suits my presentation oh, and, and I it, always do it. And yeah. it does, Cindy. It's just, it's, it's, your presentation is just like this beautiful orchestra of information and, and you dance between the slides like an absolute pro. listen to me like an absolute pro like, oh, I was going to say you. like a little ballerina like yeah. a ballerina but you do but I, I, but I think that the important point to know is that you don't always get it right no I mean the oh, audience gosh, doesn't no. necessarily know but you know yeah. you know and I think that that's part of the constant um, growing and expanding and becoming bigger and becoming better and you know loving what you do even more because if we just if you just present the same thing all over and over and over again, it does become a little bit tedious, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's nice to be able to expand your material and go to greater depths with your material and challenge yourself with it. And say things a little bit differently and see yeah. if that works and present them. Use different stories. Yeah. Or, yeah. Different stories and present them in a different format. Because I know um, I always used to use the same format and then... Uh, I learned a new format and I was very stilted when I learned that format but um, as I got used to it I loved it and and then I might say well I don't want to present that first I think I should present that first so I'm always changing things around all the time and, and I notice you do it too Kim you know mm. and Karen you do it all, all the time like one day yeah. you'll tell your story first and then you'll say other things and other days you'll tell your story in amongst other stories and yeah. I love the way I can hear you guys say the same thing 50 times and I still get something out of it. And I still laugh at all the jokes. And <laughs> she still... is. She's the one that laughs the loudest. And you actually do, you know. Yeah, it's so cute. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and it's about... a real laugh. Like, yeah. It's a genuine laugh. Yeah. And it leads everyone else to laugh. And then they're all thinking, oh, what are we laughing at? Oh, that wasn't even funny. <laughs> but hey, we're laughing because she she's laughing. laughing. <laughs> no, and it is usually funny. It I is. think, I think you know. And you are hilarious, Karen. Really. Oh. You nearly said. No, she said Karen. Karen. She said Karen. Relax. I'm your jet's girlfriend. But I think, you know what's really awesome, though? 
is that it's a very lonely industry unless you've got people that can hang oh, with you at it. Oh, so true. Isn't it? And yeah. it's, it's, it, it is a lonely it's industry. It's an incredibly lonely industry. But now that I've got you girls, it's not so lonely anymore. No. In fact, it's not lonely at all, actually. It's, it's quite hoot <laughs> do you to know, travel together. And... It's amazing. We get to do things like this, and yeah. then we get you all on our road trip with us. Um, do you know when I first started speaking I was offered a position with a company an aromatherapy company and I so didn't want to do it in fact I said no first of all but they offered me they offered to train me and help me to speak so that I could go around selling their products I still said no and then my husband turned around and he said why not you love aromatherapy why don't you go and learn it and so I kind of stepped out of my comfort zone went to Melbourne and it was the most hideous training Oh my god, when I look back at what they did compared to what you do, Karen, I just think, how did I survive that? They they would give us material and some of it, and a lot of the material is fantastic, but then how we had to present it, they had a room of 60 people, and there was five of us learning how to speech from memory, and we each took a turn to come out and do our three-minute intro. And I came out and I went, hi, my name is Kim Morrison. They went, no, 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 back off, please. No, that wasn't integral enough. Please get off, get off. I walked off stage, just about crippled with oh. with distraughtnessity. <laughs> you can use that word. You can, you can borrow it. Yes. And then I came on again and I got into the second sentence and they went, no, no, Kim, are you listening? Could you please go off and come on the way we taught you in the break, please? And I've got now gone to custard because I can't even remember what it was that they'd said. The girls out the back were all patting each other because everyone's getting a hard time. Look, I swear to you, that's how I would not do it. But whether or not it was right or wrong, something happened in me that made me realise I'm going to get through this, I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to do it the way I want to do it once I'm trained. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes it's not necessarily the best training. Don't quit on it. Because I've learned that learning from people like that, you are actually learning perhaps a greater gift, which is how to have empathy for those that are packing themselves at the side of the stage. Or I now use my oils as an anchor. And, and, and one of the girls that was also speaking, she was a principal from a school, and she did a lot of public speaking, as you can imagine. And because we were delivering talks on essential oils, she said, get sandalwood, place a drop onto your belly, then place that over your hands. Uh, sorry, place one hand on your belly, another hand over your mouth, over your nose, and inhale. And with that hand on the belly, it's becoming a grounding for you. So that because often when you're nervous, you go out on stage and you speak from the throat. You, you, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're talking like this because you're trying really hard, and you and you do this. Whereas I found that was a good anchor for me to smell sandalwood because it's so grounding. Place my left hand, and a lot of my early presentations, I actually kept my hand on my tummy to remind me to stay grounded. And it was other speakers that actually gave me the little pearlers and the gems on how to be better. And, and I find I do the same now for other speakers. Is that I just know what it's like to be so nervous and beside myself. So at the wellness summit where I was going before, I was first, second speaker with nine people and there was over 600 people there and all of a sudden I just got really nervous and I'd done all my rituals of my little prayer before I went on stage but I'm sitting there and Cindy was next to me and obviously picked up on it and stood up and started massaging my neck and shoulders and 
and just said, are you all right? And I kind of didn't want to say no, because if I said no, I thought I might cry. Right. And so I sat there thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So I calmed right down with her massaging me, and she got me to smell my oils. And what was fascinating is just her squeezing my shoulders was enough to remind me and to say to myself, I am a good speaker. I yeah. can deliver my material. I will be okay. I've got Cindy and Karen right beside me. They are my greatest champions. They always look after me. They always honour me. And I think I felt really, really proud of the fact that I got up there. And I will say, the first two minutes of my talk, I kind of packed myself. And I don't know if anyone knows Take this, but right often when you are speaking, one thing another speaker said to me once was, don't ever show your, you know, fake it till you make it. You don't need to let everybody know you're nervous. You don't have to tell everybody you're nervous. But just by delivering and keep going, you will find the nerves calm. And usually for me, within two to three minutes, I'm, I, I get into the zone. Or sometimes five minutes if I'm really, really nervous. Does, does that make sense? You yeah. kind of find yourself yeah. going into your zone. Yeah. And I think we've mentioned so you this. you kind of lose yourself. Yes. Yeah. And I think where I've, I think we mentioned this on a podcast once before, you actually find yourself transported almost above yourself when you get into the zone. And you're almost not present when you're there. Yeah. And I love it. And, and often we'll be sitting there and I'll sit there when we're listening to Karen and we'll go, oh, there she is. Oh, she's on fire. Oh, look at her. Or Karen and I were down the back when you were up there and we went, oh, look at her. That was a gem. Look at her. Look at that one. That was a perler. Um, and oh, gosh, she's mentioning Awake in the Change with a good girl. You know, like it's like we're down the back and it's, and then I see you girls smiling and laughing at my jokes. And I'm like, I got my girls. It's almost like it's nice to have someone. And that was something else that someone taught me. When you are really nervous or you're not sure, it's hard, find someone in the audience that's smiling at you. And often there's someone that is looking at you with genuine endearment and they're really admiring you. And I found myself fixated to those people. Um, and sometimes even if it's your mum and she's smiling or your sister or one of your girlfriends, just smile and give them a the thumbs up. And often that can do wonders for nerves up there on stage and you just get into your own little rhythm. Before I get on stage, if I'm nervous, I'll pump out push-ups. Oh, yeah, I've seen you do that. Yeah, 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 because you've got a lot of adrenaline coursing through your veins, and all of that nerveness or nervousnessity needs to be dispelled. <laughs> so I punch out some push-ups, so if I can't do it on the ground, I'll get myself in a really steep angle and, and push out on the wall to failure. Or sometimes I'll sit down on the carpet and I'll do sit-ups to failure. Because um, you've got to try and get all of that out of the top part of your body. Because when you start speaking and you are nervous, yeah, you are speaking from your throat, but you can't get enough air in. And when you run out of air, you run out of voice. So you can't get enough air in because the throat's constricted because you're in flight or fight or flight, which means you can't get the air in, which means you can't get the voice out, and that's when we strain. So by getting that, like doing the push-ups and exhausting yourself, yeah, you'll be a little bit sweaty, but it's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, there's a tip. Don't wear something that shows all your sweat yeah, on stage. Definitely don't wear light grey. No, light grey. No. No, definitely no. don't wear light grey. And one of the tests I do whenever I'm buying something that I know I'm speaking in, I'll actually lick my fingers and I'll squeeze it onto the material to see if it shows any sweat. Because <laughs> if it shows a little bit of sweat from your finger onto clothing, it's going to drip. Because we've oh, all said yeah. this before, you walk off stage hot. Oh, yeah. Very hot. And you've given a lot and... I think it's really important that you find clothes because then if you look down and find yourself sweating, then you sweat even more. Oh, that's terrible. And it's funny that, isn't it? You do, you walk off stage dripping wet, whether it's a freezing cold day or yep. a boiling hot day, 
you're, you've done the work. You've really had a workout, I think. Tell me, both of you, have you ever had, I mean, apart from you, Cindy, saying that um, when they wanted to, when those people were walking out and you, Karen, thinking your first speaking engagement was a shock and all of that, how have you both handled stuff-ups? Like maybe your PowerPoints failed you or maybe you've completely lost track or someone's distracted you in the audience and you've lost focus. What do you do? Cindy? Oh, well, with the PowerPoint, um, I think I know my material so well I can just continue until someone fixes it up and if they they don't fix it up then I'll just keep talking <laughs> um, because I do know it fairly well but like at the um, the wellness summit um, a, quite a few weeks ago what ended up happening is that my PowerPoint failed towards the end I, I don't know if anybody I, I don't know that. if anyone noticed it but I just kept talking I thought well I had seven um, things that I wanted to talk about that had summarized what they needed to do and it, it had gone and quite a few other slides had gone and I thought, right, I will just continue on the thread I'm going on. I don't have those seven points um, and I couldn't remember them. But you're thinking this all in your head? I'm thinking this all in my head. So you didn't say I'm... to the audience, oh my gosh, I've lost my slides. No, 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 no. No, no. Mm. no I just just kept going. You, you have to. Like, as a professional, you can't just go, oh, I've got no slides. I can't, I can't do anything. And I see people that don't know their material and lose their slides that do that. So it's really important, I think, to know your material so that if there is a stuff up with the slides or the slides don't work, that you can do it without the slides. And often what I've done, if they're, for some reason the data projector's not working or it won't connect, I'll have my computer in front of me and I'll just be able to see, you know, keep me on track. I've only got an hour to talk. I've got certain things I want to talk about. I'll actually use my slides as my prompts mm. because I want to stay on track. I don't want to wander. I want to stay on the points that I've decided to do. So I'll keep, I'll use that to, to prompt me, but not say, oh, now you can see. You know, you then say, look, how about if you visualize this? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I, look, I remember one, a couple of times, I think twice in my whole speaking career, you know, getting to a place, moving boxes around, that the whole thing can be quite taxing on you. And I remember having the worst migraine I've ever had, vomiting in the toilet, 150 people out waiting for me. And I'm vomiting in the toilet, my migraine is so bad, then I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? But you know you've got to do it. And what blows me away, and I've done it twice now, what blows me away is I get on stage and the, and the migraine's there for about five minutes. And then because you're busy doing, and Karen, you might be able to tell me what's happening in my brain, because we were talking about this pain thing yesterday. What, there's just a sensation? Yeah, and it disappears. Just goes. And... And it's amazing. Like, nothing, you ask anybody with a migraine, for it to just disappear and go is not something that happens. It's something that takes a long time. And I'm at that point where I want to lay down and put something cold and dark over my eyes, hear nothing. And I'm out there speaking and it disappears within five minutes. What happens? It's an interesting thing. And I don't know if I've even got the right answer for it, actually. I don't know. I mean, I just think about it in the context of the you that's having the migraine is not the you that's doing the speaking. Yeah. Because when you're up on stage, there is a different 
level of you that becomes present, especially when you're experienced and you do know your material and you're not thinking about what you're thinking about. You are transported to another place and it all becomes very um, surreal. You know, so I mean, I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't know if that's the if that's what happens. But yeah, I certainly. I've been trying to figure it out, and yeah. I've been thinking: is it because you're getting on with life, and you're getting on with what you've got to do, and there's there's no complaining. You cannot complain. You can't get up there and and, and be someone who's speaking about health and say, oh, "I'm sorry, I've got a migraine. I'm leaving." Well, the absence of alternatives clears the mind miraculously. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it was. Yeah. It was. It was. I had no, and it's only happened a couple of times, and um, and I think it was just the stress. I when I I would yeah. get so stressed, and it would come on, and I'd go, what? You know. What's your best speeches then that you've given? Where, what's what's that feel like when you feel you've nailed it, and you what 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 zone are you? In? What happens? Well, before we ask that, um, Kim, you haven't answered your question, or and Karen hasn't answered that question either. And what? What do you do if there's a stuff up? Like what happens? Oh, sweetie, I don't. We don't. You don't stuff up? No, no that's no, correct. No, that's why I just moved on, sweetie. Oh my god. <laughs> Silly I don't, me. That's why I don't use technology. That's why I use a flip chart. Silly yeah. me. Silly but your son. point is so valid, though. You've got to know your material. If yeah. you don't know your material, yeah, then right. don't get up on stage. Yeah. If you're going to use slides to prompt yourself. Then don't do it. Yeah. Know the material well enough that if anything does go channel, then you've you've you still know. Yeah. I think you know one one talk that I gave. It was in Sydney. I had two hundred people in the room. It was all about aromatherapy, and it was a one hundred and one type of aromatherapy. It was a very you know basic one hundred and one. And this guy in the audience, and this is where I'm so grateful for speech training because I'm so glad that I was trained how to handle this. And I didn't know when it was going to have to be used, but it was this time. And and this guy was obviously, a, I don't know if he was annoyed with me or whether he just wanted the whole world to know how intelligent he was. But he stood up and he goes, Dr. Doolittle is my name. No, Dr. whatever he said his name was. And he asked in front of everybody about the ketones, aldehydes, esters and phenols in essential oils and whether I believed the chemical structure and makeup of that would actually affect the way whether or not people use it. <laughs> Cindy is so giving the W-A-N-K-E-R sign. <laughs> and that's exactly what I thought. But I froze on stage for a second, like it felt like an eternity, because all of a sudden his question was so in-depth around the oils and I wasn't in that way of thinking. And all of a sudden my training kicked in and I said, that is a fantastic question. I really honour your knowledge and obviously you know a lot about the subject however in the context of this workshop it is not appropriate for me to answer whilst I'm on the stage at the moment but I'd be happy to talk to you in the break now let's go back to the slides here (gasps) oh my god I was so wrapped I got told how to do that because I would have gone to custard because I would have felt like I didn't know my stuff now I know the answers to what he was saying but I wasn't trained or prepared for that workshop to answer such a in-depth in question. In depth. And like, I just think that, you know, I, I would never ask a question like that from the, you know, from the audience. But I might go up and ask you at the end. Yes. Because I have an interest in it. And it's not something that most people know about. I, like, I don't 
don't have an interest in ketones or, or, or anything like that because I don't know that material. That's not mine. But, you know, I find that quite... You know, that's I found it a bit intimidating. Yeah, perhaps he was, that was his intention. That was, his, oh yeah, what was his intention? I mean, I said from the beginning what it was and yeah. what we were doing, but and then he asked a couple of other questions to the point where the audience actually ended up turning around, looking at him like, really, yeah, really, really. Yeah. Um, so I felt like they were on my side, and I had a number of people in the break country go, "God, you handled him well." And I think if you—that's what I think you learn from things like the art of public, or you know, your speaker fast track course. Um, when you go to courses like that, if a good trainer can teach you how to handle objections or handle criticism or handle any of those kind of situations, it helps you become a stronger speaker as well. So, yeah, that was so one thing that challenged me. So, what did talk about was the, um, what's the other one? There's Toastmasters and then there's Australian Speakers or what's it called? Um, National, National Speakers, speakers Association. National Speakers. Karen, what do you think of them? What do you think, are they worth joining for people who are just starting out? So they've been through Toastmasters, they may have been through your program. Yeah. Do you think that that's a good association? Because I haven't been to it in 25, 30 years. Yeah. yeah. I think that they're trying to improve, certainly. Um, I've spoken for them a couple of times. And yeah, I mean it's not a it's not a bad place to go. I I question that there are other places that you can go for that um, camaraderie and that sense of colleagues and to be able to surround yourself with people who are doing something similar to you. I think that yeah, that's true. I I think that they are trying. I definitely think that they are trying. For the last couple of times that I've been. I think that they're trying. I don't know if, if, if it's there yet, but I think that's very individual and it's a personal choice. I would say go. I would say go along and sit in on their programs or sit in on their um, conferences and see what you think. Yeah. Because it's horses for courses. It certainly wasn't for me. I wanted. I went there to learn how to speak and to surround myself by other people that I could use as mentors and look up to, and I certainly didn't find that for myself. But that was some time ago now. That was like five years ago, six years ago. Do you know who I met there? Brad Sugars. Did you? Yeah, Brad Sugars was one of the, the young um, speakers at, at there. And I used to see them there every month. And the other one was, he was always with Brad. Um, and he did real estate. But I don't remember his name now. And he did very well in real estate. But then 2008 happened and I never saw him again. But two very well-known speakers mm. uh, ended up. You know, that's who I met there. And I met this another lady by the name of Lisa, who was a really amazing speaker. I can't remember her last name either. But I, I loved listening to them. I loved... And I got ideas from them. And I yeah. got, how do they do things? And how do they engage the audience and the games they play and the, yeah. the ways they get people in? So mm. well, there's a guy that, was, that, that was interesting to meet Brad Sugars, though, and be you oh, know, yeah. national speakers with him. Yeah. There was, there's a guy there now that... Um, was one of the organisers for one of the recent conferences. His name's Michael McQueen. And oh my goodness, I mean, that man is just gold. Oh, is he? Oh, he's the nicest person in the world. Brilliant, brilliant speaker. And he speaks on the differences between Generation X oh, and Y. I've heard him speak. He's oh. young and just gorgeous. Oh, where were we when we heard him? We've heard him. We've he's all heard divine. him. Yeah. Where did we see him speak? 
I've heard him, and he speaks on all the generations, and he's yeah, he's yeah, I agree. With so you. knowledgeable been, and yeah. the nicest person in the world. So, you know, I think certainly that's why I say they're trying, and and I think that there's a lot of new speakers coming through now that um, potentially, you know, it's it's a tough environment. You know, like it's a tough business to be in because it's so highly competitive particularly if you're going to be paid as a speaker and look to you know and very judgmental you know know, people judge you very quickly and but I think you're also competing with people who've been in the game for a long long time Mm. so if you're looking to be able to earn five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars for a paid speaking engagement you are competing against Brad Sugars and you are competing against the Michael McQueens but I think you know go out and carve a path of your own which is what each one of us have done. We don't rely yeah, on speaking agencies no, at all. No, and you don't need to I'd these start. days. I don't think anyway. Mm. People can Google you and get straight to you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I have a question, and it is: Who is your favourite speaker yeah, outside each it. other? Yeah. Just outside each other. Who have you got the most out of, and 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 whether they're not a good. It doesn't matter if they're a good presenter or anything, but someone that you love to be in their presence and you, you know, you would drive hundreds and hundreds of miles to be there? Wow, that is a great question. Kim, you go first. Well, I do love listening to Alison Mooney. She, remember her about the personalities in New Zealand? Like, she is funny, she's naughty, she's won National Speakers Association in New Zealand a number of times. And I'm never tired of listening to her every time or whenever she's around. Um, I never tire of hearing of you two, obviously, but um, I'm fascinated with a lot of the Hay House authors. I really do enjoy listening to... And they're very different. And I think what they've taught me, like I said before, about Brian Weiss and people like that, when you really start listening to the content and the way they deliver the content... I would drive miles to hear people like that. I've never heard Deepak Chopra live. He was just on the Sunshine Coast recently, but I never got to hear him. Um, But he's somebody I'd probably be very interested in hearing. Um, There's a number of... Sometimes I get surprised. They're not even big names, and you just walk out of there going, wow, that was fun, that was so cool. I'm just trying to think. Maybe you could tell me yours. For me, I would definitely drive to see Deepak Chopra. He's, He's... got a voice that is quite mesmerizing over time like if you sit there for a day listening to him and you kind of get lost in his voice so I think he's and he's a very different kind of speaker but I love him for his content I think his content is exceptional um, because it's the science and spirituality coming together as one and that's totes up my alley um, he was the first guy that came to mind actually first person that came to mind. I do love Marianne Williamson. I've always loved Marianne Williamson. Um, in 300 meters. Do you find there are people that you're still learning from now, Karen? You know, as far as, because here you are a speaker trainer. Do you find that there are people that you go, oh my God, I am so going to take that into my training? Or All the time. I mean, the information we all share is regurgitated. It's just regurgitated information really a lot of the time isn't it yeah and you know like I'll observe somebody speaking and and it'll be through my own observation as to what they're doing but whether they're doing that or they're not doing that who knows it's just my perception of what they're doing Mm. 
Um, and then I think that really works. So then I'll try it out, see if it works. And if it does, then I'll, you know, take it to my seminars. So, yeah, I'm learning all the time. And I try and see maybe 10, 15 different speakers at least a year, as often as I possibly can, so that then I've got people that I'm constantly learning from. Because I think, you know, I think that's really important because it keeps me fresh. It, it does. Yeah. Like, I loved Lawrence Tam. Oh, I love Lawrence. I love what Lawrence And Damien. Did. I love oh, Damien and Brett. Oh, I love them all. But, no, but Damien loved, was funny. Oh, Damien was hysterical. But Lawrence Tam, I thought, did a beautiful, beautiful presentation about the summit. It uh, was just beautifully delivered and the way he talked about Mount Everest and reaching the summit and what a summit was and what you needed to pack to get there. And, you know, I really enjoyed his analogies. So I, I really enjoyed Lawrence just recently. But I must admit, my favourite, and I think it's because of his humility, his honesty, his presence. It's like, I feel like I'm in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I know that maybe um, Christians out there might, you know, think I'm being a little bit, ex- you know, extravagant in what I'm saying, but it's Dr. Brian Weeks. He, in, to be in his presence is one of the most beautiful things to be in. I, I just adore him. I, I love his work. And the other one I adore being, and I've never been in her presence. I've only seen her, um, on video and listen to her um, on audio, and that's Byron Katie. Oh, oh how can I? Oh my gosh, Byron, Byron Katie Byron was Katie. divine. Oh my goodness! If you haven't been to Karen's Couch to check out the yes. show on Byron's on Byron Katie, then go to karenscouch.com and check out that show. Kim and Cindy were in the live oh. audience. And, oh my goodness! Oh. Felt like I we was, got to see her in real. Person. I was like a I kid see her in, in a candy yeah. store. Well, she wants to do an interview. I think the three of us should fly over there. I think I'm we should you. interview Let's her. Let's go to Santa Barbara. <gasps> Can we put it out there on our podcast that we are going to have Byron Katie on the show one day? Yeah. Let's we do are. it. We are. And why not Oprah while we're there? She lives right next door. So oh, yeah, let's Barbara, do it. Barbara and, um, I mean, Byron, Byron Katie, Katie and Oprah live. On Shut the, up. Yeah. You reckon we'd get Oprah? Let's do that. And we could oh. also do the Spurlings who created Phoenix University. I have a feeling they live in that area somewhere, so... Oh my gosh, imagine if you all came on a road trip with us there. Imagine the podcast we could do on the plane. Imagine all the things that we'd end up doing. I hope you've enjoyed driving with us and hearing Miss Miss Jane in the background giving us instructions so that we're not lost. We have had many wallabies. We've had cars in front of us. We actually had a little faux pas at the beginning of this recording, which we had to stop because Miss Cindy dropped the F word because she thought she was driving on the wrong side of the road. Um, but we might share that. I think we should share that. I think that's. I think that's a very. Mo- I think that's a moment of absolute real necessity. <laughs> yes, we did have to stop the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have to stop and start again. So, so we'll put that at the end, will we? I think the that's very end. Cool. Okay. But Karen, can people just? Where do they go to, to if they were really keen? I think whether you want to speak at your daughter's 21st or you want to be um, someone who can stand up and speak in front of your family or in front of 200, 500, 5,000 people. Or even just one-on-one. Well, that's true too. Yeah. But yeah most communication people is aren't, communication. Most people aren't, don't see that as public speaking. And I think what you teach is that one-on-one, if you can nail the one-on-one and how to listen 
interact, create reciprocity and absolutely communication with that person, you actually have rapport. And once you have rapport with your audience or that one person, you can actually build on that, can't you? Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, when you go and sit and listen to somebody, you're only concerned that about what you're getting. Mm. You're not concerned about what everybody else is getting out of it. You're only concerned about yourself. So it's almost as if it is one-on-one. You know, like it is, you really are only speaking to the individual. Mm. There just happens to be lots of individuals, but you are really only speaking like you're speaking one-on-one. And if we can just kind of figure that out and not, you know, get caught up in the mind games, I think we get a lot more, we could get a lot more peace out of it and people would be more ready to do it. Um, so, so would, would people, if they came to you, though, they could learn from that basic as well as right? So you take them oh, all yeah. the way through to being absolutely. international speakers, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They can build a business out of it and become extraordinary as a result of it. And, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of opportunity that occurs when a person finds their voice or their message. Mm-hmm. You know, the world kind of opens up and embraces you once you, once you kind of get on the road. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, I loved your, you know, like I've been speaking for years and years and years, and I absolutely loved your course, and I only did it four years ago, three or four years ago. Yeah. And I got so much out of it. Um, I don't think you can ever stop learning. I don't think Because what we learned from Karen, you know, I've had different trainings over the years, and what one speaker taught me changed the whole way I delivered my speech. Um, you know, my opening changed completely because she told me to take them on a journey. And I am a storyteller, and I really enjoy it. And that worked for me, but I've never been told to do that. So I think one of the beautiful things you do, Karen, is you see each individual in your course. And don't just give a blanket way to teach people how to speak, but it's almost like you help them find their voice to deliver it in a way that best keeps them integral to their message. And yeah, I really I mean, honour you for that. Well, it, it takes all kinds, of, you know... Yeah. So I think I think speakers fast track rocks. Yeah. We do too. We do too. <laughs> so on that note, if anybody wants to find out about Speakers Fast Track, just go to speakersfasttrack.com and it's spelled T-R-A-K.com. So speakersfasttrak.com. Um, and you can find out all the information about where the program is held. So have we answered the questions? I think, I think so. so. I Sounds hope so. cool. <laughs> Well, if you girls and guys have got any more questions for us that you want us to answer, make sure that you post them on our Facebook page and let us know because we love to hear from you and we love to answer your questions. It gives us awesome material. So don't hold back. Also, make sure if you haven't already, make sure that you jump on over to all the w's.awakenthechangewithin.com and go and check out our three-day intensive retreat that's being held in Mooloolaba. But there's me, Kim, and Cindy, and we are rocking the house with all of our usual stuff. I think we might even record a live podcast. What do you girls think? Oh, I reckon, I reckon I love the live ones. Yeah, I think we should. We did that last time, and that that was really fun. So you may actually get to find your voice on our podcast. Who knows? Uh Let's uh put it out there. So all the W's dot awaken the change within dot com. You can find out more about that. That's in November. And you can also post your comments on all the W's dot the wellness couch dot com. And you can also ask us questions there. So hopefully you found this insightful and exciting being on a road trip with us. And we're gonna catch you on the ride next week. So join us here on Up for a Chat and be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.